Today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. If you will pray with me. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations deep within all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A good brother of mine, as I was taking him to an appointment, used a word that kind of struck home with me. And it was a word that described a trait that has been missing, not only in the world, but especially in the church. And that word is integrity. Webster's has defined integrity as being morally sound, uncorrupt, upright, honest. It's also defined as being pure and genuine. Now we can see this on the outside of the church, people walking with integrity. Do we see it on the inside? And I'm not talking our each individual churches. I'm talking the church as a whole, as in every Christian in all the world. Can you see where they're walking with integrity? And shouldn't we see that more in Christians than we see in the world? Shouldn't Christians be the ones that are morally sound? Christians be the ones that are uncorrupt? Christians be the ones that are upright and honest and pure and genuine? And the issue with this that I've seen on why it's not super prevalent in the church and among Christians is really covered in this verse. And that is, is instead of comparing ourselves to what Scripture says a Christian should be, we compare ourselves with others. We justify sin, maybe because others that we look up to do it. We justify immoral behavior. We justify corruption. We justify dishonesty, maybe because a deacon or an elder does it. When the body measures themselves by other bodies, it will never turn out well. And by body, I'm talking either the individual person or corporately if one church is measuring themselves by another church. It's not going to turn out well. What usually happens is sin creeps in. The sin will creep in and then it gains a foothold. Your devotion starts waning. You start to make worldly demands of the church, worldly demands of the other members. In some cases your devotion outright ceases. Then you have others that come in. The culture is rocked to and fro until there's so many sins allowed that there's really such a gray line between sinner and saint. The church begins to resemble a club or a bar more than a house of worship. More than a house of worship that sold out to a holy and righteous God. In one example, and actually many examples, alcoholism should be destroyed 
within the church and within the body of the believer. Instead, it's enabled. Fornication should be destroyed, but instead it's enabled. Adultery, lying, cheating, stealing should be destroyed, should be eradicated from the life of the believer, should be eradicated from the churches. Instead, it's, it's enabled. Excuses begin to be made for it on why it's being allowed. And that sin is not confronted. I will tell you that where the gospel is preached, where scripture is exposited, knowledge should abound. Growth should be visible. And all the things mentioned previous, alcoholism, fornication, adultery, lying, cheating, stealing, the list goes on and on. All of that should fall under the blood of Christ, be purged from the lives of the Christian, be purged from the church, be eradicated, and be gone. Now Paul said it's okay to compare oneself to another as sort of a yardstick to see how far you've come, but also how far you need to go. We should set goals for ourselves where we need to be in the faith. Whether it's reading more, praying more, studying more, perhaps there's some sin that we're dealing with that we know we need to put under the blood of Christ and get behind us. And there's always someone that is going to be a godly inspiration to us. Someone that you would like to see your Christian walk be like. And you should strive for that. You should see where others are and say, you know what, this is where I want to be. I need to, to buckle down. I need to start practicing my faith more. I need to go out and start doing the things that that Christ would have me to do, that God wants me to do. I should be going out and being that person that God would have me to be. And you need to keep after that. And when you get to that goal, there's going to be someone else in a place where you want to be that's farther along than you are at your new goal. And then you set your new goal after the old one is accomplished and you keep going. And this person, it might be the same person. That same person that you looked at and said, that's where I want to be in a year. They may have looked at a person above them and said, that's where I want to be in a year. So that person has grown leaps and bounds and you've grown leaps and bounds and you just follow them up the ladder of, of devotion to Christ. It may be somebody completely different. You may have gotten onto the level where this one person was and you say, okay, now uh, I see this, this guy over here, this fellow over here, or, or this lady over here that this is what I want to be like. And this is where I'm shooting for. And like I said, it might be the same person, but it might be somebody completely different. But there will always be someone to compare yourself with. There will always be that person there to compare yourself with and will be the one setting the bar for you, setting the goal for you. If you're honest with yourself and you're honest with God that you want to grow in the faith and become more of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, one thing that we need to do in this is we need to resist the temptation to look backward. We don't need to remember where we came from. We know where we came from. 
we don't need to look back on it and see if the the entirety of where we came from is has been eradicated we don't need to go and relive a life of sin and relive how we were at certain moments and in certain times you could go back and think on it for a second but i wouldn't go back and dwell on it i wouldn't make it something i was constantly looking at is see where i've come from rather keep your focus and keep your goals on where you're going to if you keep looking backward it's going to cause your issues it's going to cause you issues with growth your growth is going to become stunted from looking back and soon you're going to be looking so far back that you're not going to be striving to move forward you can't go forward if you're looking behind you and christianity is just like school like the school that all of us have went to and you don't walk into preschool and know it all you must learn and you must grow and what we've seen in the physical with the fact that we start out in preschool and we go up through the grades and we're learning and growing and learning and growing until we finish high school and graduate from high school and either then go off and find a job or or go to college and go as far into college as we need to go for the career that we're looking at the same thing is going to happen in the spiritual realm when christ calls you and you come to christ you are going to start out not knowing much. You will not know a whole lot. And you have to strive and you have to learn and grow. Just like you did in school. Now, growth happens through interaction with God via the text of Scripture. You can have growth through listening and engaging with sermons. You can see growth happening through studying and finding the answers to your questions that you come about or come upon, I should say, while you're reading and studying the Bible. And finding these answers on your own can help you go grow. Through prayer, through walking the road of life as a devoted Christian, these are the things that God's going to use to help you grow and mature. Growth is not coming from showing interest in God for an hour a week and then parading off until next time. And it's not going to come from using your neighbor or your pewmate or whatever to judge how your walk with God is going. Growth is going to come through interaction with the Bible and with God and with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit. That is how you're going to grow in grace and knowledge. That is the only way it's going to happen. Now, a lot of humans will default to the good. all good people go to heaven setting and once people are in that setting it's very 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 hard to change their minds and change them out of that default setting even even though it's not the case that all good people don't go to heaven it's hard to change people's mind nowhere in scripture is there a guarantee that anyone goes to heaven just for being a good person in fact, we'll find many people who are good by worldly standards, and we'll find them people that they actually they didn't make it to heaven because they lacked one thing, and it's what they lacked was Jesus Christ. If you want to be in heaven, you have to have Jesus Christ and Lord as, as Lord and Savior. You have to go through Him. You see, all people, all people can look good when we compare ourselves to to others. 
And a lot of times what people will do is they'll jump to the very, very far reaches and they say, well, you know, I, I might cuss and swear and I might, you know, I might do this or I might do that. But, you know, I'm no Hitler. I'm not like, I'm not like Stalin or, or Gaddafi. So they'll jump to that far, far, far outreach of the worst people to ever step foot on this planet. And that's their justification for heaven, that they're not like Hitler. I'm justified to go into heaven because I'm, I'm a good person. I'm not like Stalin. I never did the things Gaddafi did, so I'm a good person. Yet if we compare ourselves, not to Hitler or Stalin or Gaddafi, if we compare ourselves to Jesus Christ, if we compare ourselves to him, then the scripture verse really hits home that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So you're asking, okay, what are you saying here, Pastor? There is a group that will compare themselves. They will measure themselves by themselves. And this is the people Paul was talking about. And see, we've seen this with the Pharisees. The Pharisees would come out and be beating on their own chests and banging their own drums. I am this and I am that and I am this and I am that. And they judged what they were doing comparing it to others. They weren't judging what they were doing compared to Scripture. They weren't using uh, others as a, like a test to see how far they've came and then know that the goal is yet farther past these people. But rather, they were given the, the own just their own justification to their own lives, off others' lives. And you can see it happening nowadays too. Uh, and I, I've heard people, well, you know, I I I have ten beers a day and I'm doing well because you know Jim Jim he has uh, he has twenty four every day. I go to church every time it's open. Wendy Wendy only goes on Sundays. But know this, that as you are better than others, there are others that are better than you. And as hard as it may be to hear, as hard as it may be to hear to someone, you may be their Hitler, you may be their Stalin, and you may be their Gaddafi. You may be the person that somebody else is justifying their goodness to get into heaven by because they are not as horrendous and hideous as you. And the fact is, is we're all sinners. We all sin. And our punishment without Christ is exactly the same as Hitler's, exactly the same as Stalin's, and exactly the same as Gaddafi's. We cannot ever measure or judge our walk with Christ by another believer or an, uh, or, or an unbeliever. Our walks must, must, must be seen, be observed under the microscope of Scripture. Our walk must never be observed or judged through the window pane of the world. 
The days must come to an end where people are worshipped. Churches are worshipped. Other believers are worshipped. And we must worship God and strive to be like Jesus Christ. We must not strive to be like Tom, Dick, or Harry. The world and our enemy, the devil, seeks to keep you locked down. I, that may be a startling fact to some. But the world and our enemy, the devil, seek to keep us locked down. They lock us down in a life that has no time for Christ. We're going from sun up to sun down. Any chance that we get for a little bit of downtime, we fall into our worldly hobbies or have to take a nap because we're completely exhausted. They lock down our lips so that we won't speak of Christ. Bringing in the fear of man. Bringing in that fear, oh, do you really know what you're talking about? Do you really know what this is all about? Do you really know Christ? Are you enough of an expert on this to talk about Jesus Christ? Are you enough of an expert to even remotely start talking about Christianity at all to any of these people? Or should you just remain silent and go sit in the corner? Bringing in doubt into our mind that we could actually be somebody that can be used of God. And the lips lock up. And when we probably should have spoke, we stood there silent. The world and our enemy, the devil, also lock down our minds. Locking it down with the worries and the cares of the world so that we don't have really a thought about Christ at all throughout our day. We don't yearn for getting home from work and, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get home from work and I'm going to sit down. I got 15 minutes before I have to start making dinner and I'm going to sit down in 15 minutes and I'm going to read about my Lord and Savior. I'm going to read about my God. Our minds get locked down so throughout our day we're concentrating on other things instead of things that we could be praying on. Concerns that we could put before the throne of God. Instead, they're completely out of our minds and those things that we actually think about are way off from, from anything that's Christ-like. You know, we just sit back and, and think, oh, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but you know, I got to get this out for dinner and got to do this and got to do that and got to get this done and that done. And then before we know it, the day's gone. We're back in bed sleeping. And Christ has been locked out of our mind. And as a little aside to that, one thing that we do here is every night when we go to bed, we start a sermon. And we may not stay awake and listen to all of it. We might only listen to one or two minutes of it. And we might listen to 15, 20 minutes of it. We might listen to the whole thing. But the Word of God is being preached in our bedroom as we go to sleep. 
And that's on top of Bible reading and studying and praying. So you have to make a conscience effort to not let the world and the enemy lock down on you so that uh, you don't have time for Christ by locking down your life or locking down your lips so you don't speak of Christ. The more Christ that you get in your ears and into your brain and through your eyeballs and into your brain, the more you're going to learn, the more you're going to grow, and the more you're going to know. So when that voice comes and says, do you really think that you are good enough to talk about this? Do you really know enough? You can say, by the blood of Christ, amen, I do. By doing this, you won't become locked down because when you become locked down you then start judging yourself by another and became as and you become as Paul said without understanding you don't understand the tenets of the faith you don't understand Christ you don't understand God you go and tell people you're a Christian you may act like one you may not but as far as the the entirety of scripture and the entirety of Christianity goes you lack the understanding to truly walk as a disciple of Christ, to truly walk as a brother and sister. And you just basically are being led around by the nose or by the ear, by the world and by the devil. And if you're being led by either one of them two, I will guarantee you he's not leading you to the cross and they're not leading you to Christ. We should never be boasting about ourselves either but we need to boast about the Lord we need to boast about what he has done in our lives what he has accomplished in our lives what he has accomplished through us it was Jesus Christ who died upon that cross for me I was a sinner I was dead in my sin but Jesus Christ died for me it was Jesus Christ who, when he called and I answered that call, it was Jesus Christ who changed my life. It was Jesus Christ who set me free from the bondage of sin. And know that the only thing that we can actually contribute to our own salvation is the sin that made the Savior needed. But in our walk with Christ, we can contribute so much. We can contribute the time in the Word. We can contribute the time in prayer. The time in fellowship. The time caring for others. The time that we're trailing the Lord. That we're trailing Jesus Christ like a beagle trails a rabbit. Hot and heavy on the scent. Bound and determined to follow Christ. Follow Him to your last breath is exhausted from your lungs with the hopes of finding Christ or you're going to die trying. We're told in Proverbs that evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all things. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked, though he be rich. We must realize every minute of every day that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're brothers and sisters to Jesus Christ. 
if we want to understand things, if we want to be people of integrity, we must be people of the book. We must be people of the Bible, and we must be following after Christ. Head down, nose to the ground, following Jesus Christ. No looking side to side, no looking behind us, but following Christ. Eyes forward, following Christ. The cross in sight, constantly on the trail. And we don't need to pick our head up constantly. You can pick your head up and you can look around. You can see who's around you, that's on the level you are, who's ahead of you. And you can then look back on the trail to give yourself confidence. Maybe that you're starting to get tired, that you're becoming fatigued. You can turn and look back only for a split second. But you can turn and look back and see how far that you have come. That you can see how far that you've come in your walk with Christ to give you the strength and the courage and revitalize you enough to get you back on the trail. Get that head back down. And when you do this, you shall walk with integrity. People are going to know that you're different. They're going to know that you're different from the rest of the world. People are going to know that you're not like them. That there's something that isn't the same between them and you. They're going to see that you are in this world, but you are not of this world. And this world is fast slipping away from Christian morals. And it's slipping into all-out chaos. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to be? Are you going to be sliding into the abyss with the world? Or are you going to choose to die to self? Are you going to choose to walk with integrity and plant your flag and defend the hill of Christianity and Christ? Events of this world are happening at a breakneck speed. They're dark days. Dark, dark days. And the dark days are here. The events that we can read about in Revelation are happening. Many, many have been blinded by the world. They've been blinded by the enemy. Is this you? Have you become so engrossed in your cares of the world and so engrossed in the life that the world is throwing at you and the things that the devil's throwing at you that you don't have time for Christ? Is this you? Are you asleep in your Christianity? If this is you, and you can hear my voice, awake, because the time is here. The time is here. We need to be, as the battle gets closer to these last days, we need to be the Christians who are approved by God. No man who commends himself or herself will be approved by God. It will only be those approved by God that will also be commended by him. Jesus said in Matthew 6, and it's in verses 
31 to 34. Jesus said, let me get over here to it. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I want you to, well, I'm going to reread verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek God. Seek Jesus Christ. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and God will take care of you. Don't worry about how you stack up against others. It doesn't matter how you stack up against others. As long as you're given 110%, the Lord's going to see that. If you're diligently seeking Christ, the Lord's going to see that. If you're a person that's walking in integrity, the Lord's going to see that. If you're boasting in the Lord and being commended by God, you're walking the walk of faith that you need to walk. It's pure and simple. If you follow Christ, if you're hot and heavy after him, if you're blowing off the things of this world, if you're not giving any heed to the devil, then the final words of Jesus in the 6th chapter of Matthew should bring you great comfort. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We're not going to add one day to our lives. We're not going to take one day away. It's pure and simple. Seek Christ. Compare yourself Measure yourself by Jesus Christ, by the Bible, and seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen.